All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask your Holy Spirit now, speak to us. Uh, Give us courage. Help us be strong. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing today again uh, with our series, Not Afraid. We've been talking about this, not last Sabbath, because we had the Avista week, but the four weeks before that. And we'll spend the next three weeks on this topic. And actually, if you're a, a person who pays attention to sermon titles... You could say that uh, I'm, I'm, I have lost a degree of creativity here because today's title, Be Strong, Take Courage, is very similar to September 30's title, which was Be Strong and Courageous. It's kind of the same thing, right? But here's the thing. I'm just saying what the Bible's saying. There are so many places where the message from God's word to us is that we be strong And that we be courageous. Why would the Bible need to tell us that? Well, maybe a little hint on this. You don't have to tell somebody to be strong if what they're trying to do isn't difficult. You don't have to tell somebody to be courageous if what they're attempting can be scary. So if the Bible is telling us to be strong and courageous, what does that say about life? Well, I think it suggests sometimes it's pretty hard. And I think it says sometimes it's pretty scary. We're going to key out of Psalm 27 today. We're going to go to several other verses as well, but we're going to key out of Psalm 27 today. And this may be somewhat familiar to you. Psalm 27, verse 1. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, which is in front of you. You can either read the screen or or you can take one of those Bibles in front of you. Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I hear some overtones in this of, of words that Jesus will speak Down the road from this event, maybe a thousand years down the road from when these words were spoken, Jesus will say something very similar to this. It's found in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. And and Jesus says these words, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now don't misunderstand this passage. Jesus is not saying here that God is out to get you and you should be scared of him. In truth, God is out to save you and you should be grateful. He's trying to save you eternally to his kingdom. He's also trying to save you in this life from unnecessary hardship because there's going to be enough hardship you're going to get anyway. So if we could just cut out of our lives the self-inflicted hardship, there's enough already on the table for us. It's like Peter says, what credit is it to you if you're beaten with many blows for what you did wrong? Kind of deserve that. But if you're beaten and you didn't do wrong, it's to the glory of God. I wish a little more often my failings were to the glory of God instead of to the stupidness of my own behavior. But, but God is not out to punish us or get us. 
He's out to save us. And what this passage, I believe, is saying is that, yes, there is danger in the world. Jesus is, is acknowledging there are those who would kill the body. There is danger in the world, and there are those who will try to kill you, and they might even succeed. We have the story just from, from uh, yesterday where someone not in their right mind broke into the home of Paul Pelosi, the husband of Nancy Pelosi, with the intent to do great harm. There is danger out there. There are people who will try. But Jesus says they are not the ones to fear because all they can take from you is this present life. But they can do nothing to impact the promise of the life to come, which based on what has been revealed about the life to come, makes the life we're living just a ridiculous comparison. There is no promise that you will get through this life without dying. In fact, except for Enoch and Elijah, everyone who has ever lived that isn't currently living has died. It's a pretty obvious point, right? But it's useful to think about people whose lives were very much like your own. Maybe the context was different. Maybe some of the experiences were different. But people have been people for a long time. They have hopes, they have dreams, they have hurts, they have sorrows. They live their lives in their day and came to their end. So you see, if we're going to live with confidence and courage, it can't be because we believe we are somehow safe or immune from danger. Instead, our confidence in life must come from somewhere else. Or maybe better, from someone else. We have a theme passage for this series, Matthew 8, beginning in verse 23. And when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? You see, it matters not how bad the storm is, as long as you know Jesus is in the boat. In fact, it ultimately doesn't even matter if your boat goes down. Because if Jesus is in your boat, this is what Jesus says, John 11, verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Jesus is not promised to immediately deliver us from danger every time. Though I bet he has delivered you at least once in your life, whether you know it or not. But the reality is, in truth, 
Jesus promises, or at least acknowledges, that we're going to have trouble. John 16, verse 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. This is Jesus talking. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There you go. You have it from Jesus himself. Sometimes it's going to be hard. But take heart. I've overcome this. And there's an interesting comment that Jesus makes to Ananias of Damascus as he was questioning God's command to go and heal this man named Saul who would later become Paul. You remember the story. Saul is on his way to Damascus to to take charge of certain ones who are believing in Jesus And on his way, he sees a bright light, and he's blinded. And God comes to a man in the city of Damascus that's a believer in Jesus and says, I want you to go to Saul and lay your hands on him and heal him. And he's like, whoa, whoa, this is a bad guy. But here's what God says to Ananias. Acts 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. For Saul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Now note this verse 16. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Is that what you expect? I've called this guy for a special purpose. And as a result, he's going to suffer. That's how it is. That's the experience. This was the reality for Jesus as well. Don't think he didn't go through this. Something that he had to explain to the men on the road to Emmaus. Luke 24, verse 25. And Jesus said to them, they didn't know it was him, but he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things And enter into his glory. This is why Peter would later write, 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So with this context in mind, let's go back to Psalm 27 and let's try to get a little bit further. We only read the first verse. Let's go further. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamped against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet will I be confident. Now what we in our flesh want this text to say is that we will always be protected in this life and we will never be defeated. But the context I just gave you before I read you that proves that that's not reality. In our flesh, we struggle to understand, for our flesh 
is painfully tied to the here and now. But in our spirit, all of this makes perfect sense. Romans 8, verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Call that a gift of getting older? I understand this text better and better as every year goes by. So this psalm cannot be saying simply that nothing will ever go wrong in our lives. Rather, I believe it is clearly telling us that if we make Jesus our light and our salvation, in the end, we will be victorious regardless of what we might encounter between now and then. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Now again, one way to read this is that we're going to be physically safe in the hour of trouble. And often, indeed, that's true. But not always. You see, there's another way to read, hide me in his shelter and conceal me under the cover of his tent. And I by no means mean to be morbid here, but know this. For the one who has made Jesus their refuge, the grave is a very safe place, a place hidden away from the toil, the trial, the suffering, and the pain. Psalm 116, verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. He hides us away on that day in the secret place. He covers us with the tent while we wait. There's another passage in the Bible that, that truly brings both of these verses of Psalm 27, 4 and 5 together. Verse 4 talks about dwelling in the house of the Lord. Verse 5 talks about hiding me in the day of trouble. It's, it's Revelation chapter 6. Verse 9, and it reads like this. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Hidden, safe, 
under the altar in the temple of the Lord, awaiting the day. In this world, you will have trouble. But that does not have to be a source of fear. Jesus said, you have little faith. Why are you afraid? Oh, it's easy to say, isn't it? But can I live it? Well, here's the future testimony of those souls under the altar in Revelation 6. Psalm 27, verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. This is the future. But to see this day, this is what we must do. Verses 7 and 8. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Is that the cry of your heart? Or do you find yourself turning and hiding from the presence of the Lord? Often our sins make us want to shrink away. But if we would be saved, we must stay in the presence, even when it hurts to do so. For only there can we find grace and forgiveness and the strength to overcome. Psalm 27, verse 9, hide not your face from me, turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Now this is, I think, more a statement of extremity than it really is a scenario that the the one writing this psalm has been abandoned by their parents. But, But the idea here is, even in my weakness and failing. Lord, please, don't approach me with anger, even if I deserve it. Come with grace. Even if if what I've done has turned everybody against me, Lord, take me in. Verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord. And lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me. And they breathe out violence. These things happen in our lives. People will lie about us. People will hurt us. People will endanger us. But we must seek to stay on that level path that comes from knowing the Lord and being obedient to what he has told us. That's what your Bible's for. You want to hear the word of the Lord. You want to be led on the level path. Take time to read it every day. It will fill you 
with the words of God. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. We're going to close here. When we come to the end of Psalm 27, there's two more verses that speak to the experience of living this life by faith. This is what you can do when you know that Jesus is in your boat. Psalm 27, verse 13. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So there it is. It says, be strong, take courage, wait for the Lord. You know, I cannot tell you what trials may lie ahead for you. I can only tell you that inevitably you will face them. But you don't have to face them with fear. Decide beforehand. Decide now. Because in that moment, it's going to be hard. Decide now. But you will face it with faith. Let's have just a bit more of the verse from Paul. The one who suffered much for the Lord, just as the Lord said he would. We read part of this earlier, 2 Corinthians 4.16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. It is the Lord that tells us to be strong and courageous, not because life isn't hard, but because he has promised one day to wipe every tear from our eyes. This life will try to drag us down and enslave us in fear, but Jesus, the Son of God, has set us free from fear, the very fear that is destroying this age. Decide now to live in this freedom. Be strong, take courage, and wait on the Lord.